Take your Bible and turn to the book of Romans. The book of Romans in chapter 1. Romans in chapter 1. I got an email yesterday, and I thought I would read this letter to you. Because it was a letter that shares her testimony of 40 years ago. See, one thing that's good about if you live long enough, you see the results of it down the road. And it's very encouraging. You know, sometimes the pastor wonders if, if anybody ever really listens and learns from what he has to say. Because, you know, when, when you're on that little perch, everybody takes a shot at you. Everybody demands you've got to be perfect or they turn you off. And you can offend people so easy. I never try to offend anybody, but I do because I'm a person. I'm a human being. I, I have a sinful nature. I say I do things not always perfect. Uh, Christ was here, and he was perfect, and you won't believe this, but he offended people. So I, um, I like to know when somebody's blessed because of your life or your ministry. So she wrote this to me. At the age of eight, I recall a night my father came home from one of his many hunting trips. I was always very excited when he returned because he often brought me a gift. This particular trip included several men from our church who ventured west to Colorado to hunt elk and mule deer. On Sunday morning, the men took a break from hunting and attended a church service in the mountains of western Colorado. Upon his return, I sensed an unusual amount of excitement from my father. This was interesting because he was typically such a calm man. Soon it became apparent that the heightened excitement my father exhibited was not coming from the number or size of mule deer he encountered on the trip, but from a preacher he heard during that Sunday morning service. The only thing more intriguing to me that my father's excited state was the name of the preacher, Yankee. I just kept thinking, what's a Yankee doing in Colorado? I thought they were northerners. As was my usual practice, I clung to every word that came from my father's mouth. So as he proceeded to share his excitement with me, I began to envision this young, tall, handsome, dynamic preacher <coughs> with a message about going to, I didn't write that now. With a message about going to heaven. Growing up in the church, nothing seemed unusual about a preacher talking about heaven. But it was uncommon to hear Dad explain how Yankee told them they could know they were going to heaven. I didn't realize it at the time. But in the years to come, this preacher with the strange name would split our church congregation right down the middle, unite another group of new believers, change many of our lives here on earth, and share a message that would affect us for all eternity. She didn't mention that I also got boycotted, blackballed, and two major denominations one year after I left Florida Bible College. But anyway, that's another story. Yankee was invited to our small town of Dora Lake, Minnesota, to share this special message with our church. During one of his early visits, he prompted questions in my young mind about my eternal destination. 
a short time later. While fishing with my father on the Big Fort River in northern Minnesota, I asked him this question. If Yankee is right, and we have to be perfect to get to heaven, how am I going to get there if I keep doing things wrong? And since I still get spankings, I know that I do things wrong. Very brilliant kid, huh? It was then that my father explained to me that I do things wrong because I inherited a sinful nature from Adam and Eve. He reiterated Yankee's message of salvation by grace when he explained that I cannot escape that sinful nature by doing good things. It is only by believing in the payment Jesus made on the cross that God would give me or see me as being perfect, sinless and able to enter this perfect heaven, even though I didn't always do everything right here on earth. I cannot pinpoint the exact moment that I trusted Christ as my Savior. I imagined it was shortly after that memorable moment with my father on that beautiful river in northern Minnesota. Bottom line, at some point, known only to God, I pieced it all together, and it made perfect sense to me, a small but inquisitive child, that God had given his perfect son to pay the complete sin debt for me so that I could spend eternity with him. So this message of salvation by grace, preached by Yankee Arnold many years ago, to a group of rough, bearded hunters from northern Minnesota, is one that continues to amaze me. Even now, some 40 years later, the clarity of the gospel makes its way into every conversation between my father and me. I am eternally grateful to Yankee and the women, or the woman, behind the man, his ever-dedicated wife, Betty, for the sacrifices they have made throughout their lives to share the clear gospel with so many. They have planted seeds throughout the country, if not the world. Seeds that the Lord has watered resulted in countless numbers of individuals, knowing with certainty, even though there are challenges in this world, they have absolute assurance of their eternal destination. No greater gift could ever be given than the message of salvation through the grace of God. Thank you to my father, Jim, who not only accepted the message of salvation by grace, but realized the importance of sharing the good news with his family. Isn't that a good story? She sent that to me yesterday because she wrote it about how she came to know the Lord. She couldn't pinpoint the exact moment, but in my mind, I remember the exact moment. I was riding in the pickup truck with her dad, and she was sitting between us. She was eight years old. And on the way to the church, Dora Lake Church, on the way there, I explained it to her, and she finally understood. Anyway, I emailed her back, and I told her that. Forty years ago, when you get to heaven, do you realize that you're going to see the faces of the people that you won to Christ? To see the faces of the people because of your concern and what you sacrificed to get the gospel to people. Whether through money or prayers or individual talking. There won't be anything greater. Paul says, ye are my crown of glory. You are my joy whenever he sees you at the coming of Christ. That's going to be the most important thing you'll ever experience in your life. 
to know that there'll be people in heaven because you shared the greatest story in all the world with them. So I want you to take your Bible and look there in a verse that we read every Sunday morning. The book of Romans in chapter 1 and verse 16. Look what it says. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. What two great verses in the Bible. And whenever you think about those verses, you think of how simple everything is that God made. And I want you to think about this. Of all the messages there are in the world, of all the books that have been written, there is no story as great as this story. There is no message more powerful than this story. That's why you and I are supposed to love it. And Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. And he didn't stop there. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ. So it's not just anybody. It's a particular individual. So number one, if you keep any notes on the back of your bulletin, you can write it down because I'm not ashamed because of the person of the gospel. The person. Because, you see, it's not just anybody. This person is the Son of God. This person is God. And so it's the good news about what God says. And it's something that you and I are supposed to love and we're supposed to tell. So it's not about what. It's about who. It's about this person. And that's why if the devil can, he'll get you to do anything Talk about anything except this person. Because you see, you and I, we cannot talk about the gospel without talking about the person. And when I'm not ashamed of the message, it's because I'm not ashamed of the person. And if you're ashamed of the person, you will be ashamed of the gospel. And a lot of God's children, I think, are ashamed to tell the message. And I don't understand why. I can't fathom that yet. But I do believe there's some things that we need to remember. Without Christ, see, there is no gospel. And uh, there's several words that we talk about all the time. And yet without Christ, these words have absolutely, they have no meaning. You see, there would be no such thing as, uh, there is no power. See, a man needs to be saved, but there's no power if there's no Christ. Without Christ, there is no power to save anybody. You see, without the gospel of Jesus Christ, you and I can't know God. You may know there is a God, but you can't know God. Except through this story. This is the story that lets us know what God thinks about his attributes. It talks about 
the perfection of God. Why we need to be perfect. How holy, how just, how righteous. All these things about God that you and I need to know about. And then because of Christ, we know about justice and law and mercy, compassion, forgiveness. All those things about God you and I would not know except through this story of the gospel. You see, there's a word. It's called salvation. Do you realize there is no salvation without Christ? There is no righteousness without Christ. There is no gift without Christ. There's no justification without Christ. So without Christ, there's no life. There's no eternal life without Christ. But with Christ, we have all these things. But you take Christ out of the equation. There is nothing left. And as far as this life goes, there's nothing worth living for. That's why so many people are so hopeless in their lives. They don't have anything worth living for. And you can be so discouraged and so in despair. But if you had something that was worth living for, it gives meaning to everything else in life. There's a purpose there that drives you on. So the first thing I wanted you to see is simply in this verse. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the person. I'm not ashamed of Jesus Christ. I know whom I have believed. And I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. The second thing is the power of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ for it is the power. This message is the most powerful message in the world. There isn't anything with greater power than this message. It is the dynamite of God. This little story. You see why the devil fights the gospel and the clarity of the gospel? He's trying to dilute its power. Where it cannot save by adding works to it, diluting it, mixing it all up, confusing people. That's why you and I have to strive for the defense of the gospel. Where we know that man cannot save himself and therefore only through Christ can a man be saved. It's so important. You see chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3 of the book of Romans. Paints a picture of how terrible man is. How wicked man is how that when he knew God he did not honor him as God that became vain in their own imagination and brought God down to man and worship creation instead of the creator and talked about all the wickedness that people do men with men and women with women and all the sins and the wickedness and talked about how that he gave the law to Israel and they violated it. Nobody ever kept the law. 
talked about the Gentiles and by creation itself, given to man the power of reason with conscience. And yet he fails, cannot even live up to that knowledge that he has that there is a God and to seek God. And then by the time you get to chapter 3, let's us see just how, how wicked man is. There's none righteous, not one. There's none that seeketh after God, not one. There's none that doeth good, not one. Let God be true and every man a liar. And as he says in his word, so I say these things to them that are under the law, that all are guilty before God. All have sinned and come short of God's perfection. Pretty pitiful sight. So there isn't any man or woman ever lived good enough to be saved. So God paints a black picture for all of mankind. And then, but God. But God. But God has the power of salvation. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the person. It is the power of God. Now think of all the power that will be needed. Now there was tremendous power used in creating the heavens and the earth. A man can't be saved without the power of God. It means that man cannot save himself by his power. Salvation is by God's power. He's the only one that has the power to save you. And if he has the power to save you, he only has the power to keep you saved. Because when you're saved, you're saved from something to something. To an inheritance that's incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God unto salvation. You see, God is the only one that has the power to save a man. And that's all wrapped up in that little story that we call the gospel, the good news of how a, a sinner can be made righteous, how that he can be justified before a righteous, holy God. And there is no other message that can accomplish this. No religion can do this. Only the book. The Word of God. So Christ is the answer. We hear it all the time. The next thing I want you to understand is it is the power to save. It is the power of God. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation the only power that can save us is in this message is a story and a man must hear it and he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life the power to save that we brought up before the penalty of sin the power of sin in our life now 
and one day to be saved from the very presence of sin. You think the word salvation in the Bible is the most important word, one of the most important words in all the world to be able to stand and say, Oh, yeah, I'm an American. I'm an Arnold. That ought to be great. I'm saved. I am saved. Not going to be. I am saved. I am saved. Means I'm not going to hell. I am a saved man. That is more important than anything else in the whole world. It's more important than that job you have or the job you don't have. I'm saved. I'm saved. My sins are all forgiven. I can never go to hell from this day forward. Never. I'm saved. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And I'm saying so. I am redeemed. I am saved. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. You see, why is that important? Because, see, that's the purpose of the power. What's the purpose of the power? To save. And I have been saved. It's the one of the greatest words in the whole world. You can say I'm a man. You can say I'm a woman. I'm 70 years old. I'm 30 years old. I'm, 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 I'm saved. There's nothing better than that. There are no words better than those words. I'm saved. I'm going to heaven when I die. And you stop and think of how many people in this world, they cannot say that. They can't say that. Because they don't know that. They never heard this message. This most powerful message in all the world. Oh, they've heard religions. They've heard that you've got to earn your way to heaven by your good works. And that's not the gospel. That's not the good news. The good news is, is he died on the cross and paid for my sins. To give me eternal life as a free gift. And I get to go to heaven on what he did for me. That's the best news in all the world. The next one I wanted to mention to you is because I'm not ashamed because of the plan of the gospel. Well, what's God's plan? What's the purpose and the power? What's, what's the plan? The plan isn't going all the world and tell people to keep the Ten Commandments to go to heaven. To qualify, to be good enough. The plan was that whosoever, what's the word? Believeth. What a simple plan. That's too easy. You mean out of all the things that talks about the person of Christ and everything that he did and who he was. That come into this world. And all the power of God that it takes. And the purpose of God. The plan. It's just the man got to believe, that's all. And yet the power that's in that. It's the power 
to save a person. The power to save a person. You see, that's God's plan. The plan is that all that people have to do, it's the only thing they can do, is believe it. You see, sometimes we try to get things so complicated. God made it simple. And he says, all that a man has to do, the only thing that he can do, is to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. So simple. You know what I'm encouraged by? The other night I had James call me up and he says, Pastor, we had somebody trust the Lord. Uh, Reformers Unanimous. And I thought, that is so neat. That is so neat. And then Peter calls me up and tells me that they had some people trust the Lord in Friday night or Thursday night. Friday night, so went in. And I don't know, 10, 15, something like that. But I think it's just, it's just so great. And different ones that I've heard of y'all that are going out and you, you talk to people. And you never know who's going to talk to somebody next. Edgar said that he was in the hospital and his chaplain came in, her, and he says, do you know where you go when you die? She says, well, I hope I'm going to heaven. So he explained the gospel to her. Don't you think the chaplain ought to know where they're going when they die? How can you bring great comfort and hope and so forth to people and they ain't got a clue where they go when they die? Because isn't it true that you might die? I mean, you go to the hospital, you know there's a possibility. You might not come out. There's a possibility. But isn't it wonderful to know that you can give people this hope, this joy? And the only way you can do that is by telling them that, that message. Now, if I was a devil, I don't care what you do with your life as long as you don't talk to people. You see, that's what really is the crux of the matter. The, the hardest part is just getting started. Getting started. But you'd be surprised how many opportunities God gives to us. I don't take advantage of all my opportunities. I'm, I'm going to have to answer to God for that. I do get a few here and there, but I realize I, that's why I want the radio, and, and, and I'd love to have a TV broadcast. I just would... I just want people to hear it and understand it and they may trust the Lord and they go to heaven when they die. Because, see, sooner or later, everybody dies. Everybody dies. And where are they going to spend eternity? In verse 17, there's a statement made there. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed. See, that... That's the product. That's the end result of God giving you His righteousness. See, He spent three chapters telling you how unrighteous we are. And then He tells us how righteous God is. Thanks. But He says, look, I'll give you mine. Oh. So look there in chapter 3. And you'll notice in verse 21, but God, but now, but now the righteousness of God is revealed. Look at that, without the law. You mean I can have God's righteousness without the law, without me earning it, without me deserving it, because God's already showed no man deserves to be saved. No man is righteous. 
No man can be justified by his works in the sight of God. So since no man can save himself, God says, I'll send you my righteousness. And if I accept the righteousness of Christ, I'm made as righteous as Christ. You see, the righteousness of God is Christ. It says in the book of 1 Corinthians, in chapter 1, it talks about, He is my righteousness. He is my wisdom. He is mine. And so he makes a statement here in verse 21. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested. Been witnessed by the law and the prophets. They told all about this in advance. They prophesied that Christ is coming someday. And Christ did come. And in the first chapter of the book of Romans, it talks about how that the prophets told about the Messiah, Christ, coming of the flesh as the son of David. And this is what he was going to do. And proved it by the power of the resurrection from the dead. Because if he has the power to come back from the dead, he's got the power to bring you back from the dead. So that if you can come back from the dead, you can live forever. You really wouldn't matter how many times I died if he's had the power to bring me back from the dead. I can live forever. That's the power of God. That's why it takes the power of God for the good news, the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. In other words, there wasn't another message better than this message. Paul didn't have to worry about, you know, I'm spending my life doing this. But is there another way? Is there a better way? Is what I'm telling, is it second rate? Or this is the only way? Not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. There's the purpose. That whosoever believeth, there's the plan, would receive his righteousness, the product. You see, I have received his righteousness 51 years ago in a little old living room in Athens, Georgia. See, it doesn't matter where you are, you can receive it because it's given to you by faith. See, in the last part of verse 16 and 17, it says, from faith to faith, from faith to faith. You see, whenever I believed it and then I share it, from faith to faith, to faith, to faith, to faith, to faith. And so God says, the just shall live by his faith. So I, being justified by faith, I am supposed to live by faith. It means I'm supposed to share this word with others so that they can put their faith in. Isn't that how I got it? Because a man who I thought at that time was really an old man, he was only 50, he was my father-in-law, and he explained the gospel to me, and I heard it, and I understood, and I trusted Christ as my Savior. And I'm going to heaven because of what he did for me. Don't have all the answers. And I hope you don't mind me just kind of t- talking a little bit about, you know, just on the gospel. I, I, you, y'all all know this stuff. But I don't feel the best today. This is not my A game. But it's something that I know so well. It's easier for me to do this. You understand? You understand. So you forgive me for not having my A game. And you accept my C game. All right. Sounds good to me. 
Look up here. This hand represents you and me. The wallet represents sin. Don't you think it's about time you learn how to do this? Don't you think it's about time you learn how to do it? How many of you have already used this little wallet or you use an illustration similar to it? You've already done it. Let me see your hand. All right. Put your hands down. Half of you have never done it then. Half of you in this room have never used the little wallet illustration. Did you know that when you get to heaven, the first thing God's going to ask you, did you ever use that wallet illustration? <laughs> I sent two preachers down there, and they told you all that every week. This is you and me. Wallet represents sin. Just represents sin. I was in a restaurant one day. I put my wallet down there. This waitress came up. And I said, you know what that is? She says, yeah, that's a wallet. I said, nope. Here's two. I said, nope. What is it then? I said, it's sin. She jumped back about two feet. She thought it didn't turn into a rattlesnake. Anyway, it took a while, but I got to trust the Lord. This is you and me. This is sin. We have all sinned. Everybody's in the same boat, the whole world. And the Bible says that God loves us. He hates our sin, but the sin has to be paid, and the wages of sin is death and hell. And so God says that to go to heaven, we have to be perfect as righteous as God, and none of us are perfect. So God explains to us how righteous he is and how bad we are, that no man can save himself. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord, God in the flesh. He sent his son into the world who was perfect. He was righteous. He didn't have any sin, so he didn't have to die. But because he loved us, hates our sin, because it separates us from him. He took it, paid for it on the cross, came back from the dead. And God said that if we would believe he did it for us, he would put that payment to our account and we'd go to heaven on what Jesus Christ did for us. That's good news. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it is the power of God to save a man. What it means is that man can't save himself. It takes the power of God. That means you're not saved by what you do. You're not saved by how you live. You're saved by what he did. And he paid for your sins. You see, this was the purpose behind it. The plan is for you to simply believe that he did it for you. And if you'll believe he did it for you, he will give you the end result, the product, his righteousness. God accomplished what he came to do. He came to save me. He died on the cross for me. He came back from the dead, offered me eternal life. I accepted it. He saved me. He came to seek and save that which was lost. I was lost. Now I'm saved. Now I'm going to heaven. It worked. It works. I was lost. I was blind. But now I see. Let's pray, shall we? Every head bowed and every eye closed. No one looking around. If you've never trusted Christ as your Savior... Would you trust him this morning? I'm not going to have you forward. I'm not going to embarrass you, but right where you're sitting. Would you just talk to the Lord and say, Lord, I, I know I'm a sinner. I know I've done things wrong. I don't deserve to go to heaven. But I believe Jesus Christ, your son, died on that cross for me.
that he came back from the dead. And I believe that he's coming back again. I, I'm trusting him as my Savior. And preacher, would you pray for me? Yes, I would. I'd love to know if what I've said made sense to you. So in the quietness of this moment, with no one looking around, does anyone at all say, yes, I will trust Christ as my Savior. And preacher, I'd like for you to pray for me. Would you slip your hand up very quickly and put it right back down? Is there one at all? No one at all? If you've already trusted Christ as Savior, you'd never have to do it again. I want you to tell somebody. I want you to make it a point that you're going to do that. Father, we thank you so much for all you've done for us. We thank you for this time together, for the study of your word and simplicity, the simplicity of the gospel. For I'm not ashamed. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.